0: If you would please turn to Numbers chapter 13, verses 25 through 33, as we go to the Father in prayer that He would bless His word. Father, thank you for the privilege and honor opportunity to share from Your word tonight. I say you'd fill my mouth with messages from You, that Your Spirit would move, that Your church would be edified, we would be encouraged and strengthened from what you have recorded for us. Thank you for preserving your word for us, making it clear um, the teachings necessary for our salvation. And I ask, Father, that you bless the reading and teaching from your word tonight. In your son's holy name, amen. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of a great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seem to them. These are the very words of God. Have you ever doubted God's promise of salvation? Have you ever been afraid that they would not be fulfilled? Have you ever been anxious about God's ability to enable you to persevere? I have. I remember for years as a teenager swinging back and forth like the pendulum of a grandfather clock from the spiritual highs of youth retreats and recommitments to Christ to anxiety and despair uh, when faced with trials or temptations uh, or my own sin. Back and forth. Back and forth. What I needed to hear was the assurance of God's promises. I needed to learn not to judge God's promises by the obstacles that I saw. Life circumstances can cause us to doubt God's promise of salvation. I've been there with my feelings of assurance. We see these obstacles before us, and we're afraid that we won't persevere. Maybe the obstacle that you face is medical financial. Uh, Maybe you're facing a crisis of faith, or even a dark night of the soul. You see these obstacles and worry that you won't be able to persevere through them. In this passage that we're reading tonight, the Israelites have arrived at the border of the promised land, which is a typology of our salvation. God made a covenant promise to Israel to bring them to the land of Canaan, like he's promised us To bring us to glory. But like Israel, we face obstacles along the way that cause us to judge God's promises. So, how do we respond to God's promises of salvation and perseverance? I'd like to contrast for you tonight two ways to respond first, the negative, then the positive. So, first temptation that we face is to doubt God's promises when we see the obstacles. In uh, verses 25 through 29, we see spies have gone into the land of Canaan, spied out the land. They come back to report what they have found. They show an example of the fruit of the land, and they repeat and verify God's promise of what the land is like. The land is flowing with milk and honey. They also report that the inhabitants are strong. They have great walled cities. They... Uh, report the inhabitants of the land, the tribes there, that also are the very tribes that the Lord had told them would be there. So Caleb encourages the Israelites to go up at once and occupy the land. They say they're able to. The other spies disagree. First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, eleven through thirteen tells us why this was recorded for us. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes to us You may worry that your problems are too large to be overcome. Uh, Maybe you face personal or professional difficulties. You you have uh, difficulties at home, in your home life, with your family. Problems at work. Things aren't going your way. Uh, Maybe, like the psalmist, you face actual opposition. Somebody is actively opposed to you and working against your best interests. Uh, Maybe at home again, maybe at work, maybe in some other area of your life. Or maybe you face overwhelming anxiety. Uh, You simply cannot get your mind to uh, come off of what troubles tomorrow may bring. Uh, You can't stop worrying uh, of what may cause you to stumble. Uh, Maybe you struggle with uh, overwhelming depression, that dark night of the soul. You uh, continue to be assailed by doubts uh, and worries that God will not be able to enable you to persevere. But I don't want to discourage you. Those obstacles are too large for you, but they're not too large for God. That's why we need faith when we see these obstacles. We need God's promises because we cannot overcome these obstacles by our own power. If we could overcome them by our own, we would not need faith. We wouldn't need God's promises that he could deliver us. Uh, Maybe you think, fine, they're not too large, but... My obstacles continue to come back. They're recurring. They're over and over again. Uh, Maybe your health. Um, You have a a bad diagnosis that is not improving or even deteriorating. Maybe your finances. You struggle to uh, make ends meet. There's always too much month at the end of the money. Um, Maybe you struggle with besetting sin. You are tired of continuing to... uh, submit to the same sin over and over, or maybe you're tired of continuing to battle the same temptation over and over, even though you are successful. Well, Christian, our sanctification is progressive. These obstacles that we face that continue to come back again and again keep us dependent on God. God has promised us victory, but he never promised us victory in a day. Lord promised Israel the land of Canaan, and he promised that he would go before them, but they still had to go out and fight the Canaanites. They still had to go in and occupy the land and conquer it. Obstacles along the way are God's way of keeping us dependent on him. If it weren't for those obstacles that we continue to face, we would think that we could fulfill the promises of God by ourselves. So when you see these obstacles, don't doubt God's promises. How do we respond to God's promises of salvation and perseverance? First is the temptation to doubt God's promises. Thankfully, the Lord has given us a second way to respond. He uh, enables us to respond by trusting God's promises and not those doubts. Verses 30 through 33 uh, the spies report that the Canaanites are very strong, the cities are heavily fortified. They report on the various tribes. Um, again, Caleb. Tells them to go up and occupy. But the other spies deny it. They say, we can't go up and occupy. The people are too strong. Um, They won't be able to succeed. They don't trust God's promises. But the fulfillment of God's promises is not hindered by the obstacles that we see. Um, Israel sees these great obstacles between them and inheriting the promised land. But these obstacles may be new to the Israelites. They're not new to God. He's not surprised by them. He knew beforehand. Uh, Back to verse 27. We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. That is the very description that God gave the Israelites before even bringing them to the promised land of what it would be like. He told them before what the land would be like. um, And he also tells them which tribes that they would face. Uh, The Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. Those names should have sounded very familiar to the Israelites. Those are the very names that the Lord had told them would would dwell in Canaan, that they would have to go up against. Uh, All of those obstacles, they were planned by the Lord. They are under his sovereign control. They're not new to him. We will never face an obstacle that God is surprised by or unsure of how to overcome. Uh, I remember in high school, my... uh, paternal grandmother was diagnosed with cancer, and I do not ever remember during that course of treatment her complaining about um, her cancer. What I distinctly remember about that is uh, her telling us about her doctor's appointments, how thrilled she was that she got to go and witness to the doctors and the nurses, that she went and she glorified the Lord. She praised God even through that trial. Maybe you're thinking, though, that I don't know what obstacles you are facing. And that's true. I don't know what obstacles you are facing, but God does. Um, Maybe you're thinking that they're unique. Surely God would excuse your doubts. Uh, Again, I don't know what obstacles that you're facing, but the Lord does. He ordained them. Um, He ordained those tribes to dwell in the land of Canaan. Uh, not only did he simply ordain that those tribes would be there, they had a role and a purpose to play in the land of Canaan until Israel would come. Did you know that? The Lord ordained to withhold judgment on the Canaanites until he was ready to bring the Israelites in uh, to occupy that land. If it weren't, he says, if it weren't for the occupants of Canaan, the land would be um, overrun with wild animals and it would be, uh, it would not be flowing with milk and honey. He, the Lord sovereignly used the Canaanites to cultivate the land until Israel was there. Uh, church, not only is God sovereign over those obstacles, and he's placed them in your way, but he does it for our good. So trust God's promises and not your doubts. But why are God's promises so trustworthy? We all face trials and temptations to doubt God's promises. But, praise be to God, we don't have to succumb to those doubts. God is able to overcome the obstacles. He's sovereign over them, and He's using them for our good. But even greater than that, the reason we we can trust God's promises is because the Lord Jesus Christ has come. As the greater Israel, He succeeded in every place that Israel failed. Uh, He never doubted the Lord and he never um, uh, disobeyed, he never uh, wavered in his faith and obedience. And as Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land to enjoy their inheritance there together, um, the Lord Jesus Christ um, promises to bring us into glory. As uh, we learned this morning, he um, is gone forth to prepare a place for us. We are co-heirs with Christ. Joshua defeated the Canaanites and trampled them underfoot, but Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Christ has begun a good work in us, and he will bring it to completion. So, uh, Can I pray with you that the Lord would enable us to trust his promises, no matter those obstacles. Father, thank you again for your word, for preserving it for us, for encouraging us, Thank you for your promises written down for us. I say you would strengthen us in our faith, that we would trust your promises and that we would be able to defeat the doubts, that we wouldn't succumb to those temptations when faced with obstacles, that we would glorify you and that we would trust that you are working them together for our good. In your Son's holy name, Amen.